the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Interesting days on Wall Street mixed in with some retail activity, both in the real time with Amazon Prime and the numbers we're getting, as well as um, some of the economic data out there. Retail sales for June increased better than expected. You know, there's this big talk about a rate cut. That may be put on hold, or July is going to happen, but future ones may be put on hold if the economic data continues to be strong, or on the positive side, or on the growthy side. Wall Street opened a little unchanged playing with record highs again, but ultimately faded just a skosh. Strength in transport stocks followed positive t- commentary from J.B. Hunt Transport Services. J.B. Hunt, ticker symbol J.B.H.T. That's out there. So let's talk a little bit about what we saw in the last couple days um, on the market. J.P. Morgan Chase and Goldman Sachs, Wells Fargo, Johnson & Johnson all exceeded top line and bottom line Expectations, top line revenue, bottom line earnings. Strikingly, that wasn't enough to push the market much higher. In the end, you hear people like me say, it's all about the do-re-mi, it's all about the earnings. But is it? The takeaway of a subdued reaction, subdued response to the earnings news is that the good earnings news was already priced in, although it would be remiss not to mention that J.P. Morgan Chase lowered the 2019 net interest income outlook and has indicated six-tenths of a percent lower as it, it, it started to, um, people are finding some negatives in it. Does that make sense? It's good numbers, but when you start saying, okay, what won't be great next year? Weakness today in financials. Citigroup failed to move the needle on Monday following its better than expected results. So earnings aren't doing it. That's a little bit concerning. Total retail sales, economic data today said retail sales were up four tenths of a percent month to month in June. That's double the expectations, but that's also following a revised downwardly number. Retail sales, excluding autos, were up four-tenths of a percent, following a downwardly revised four-tenths of a percent increase from five-tenths of a percent increase in May. So some of the data, even though it's, it's shocking, beating to the upside, still presenting a bit of a problem. Core retail sales, when you exclude motor vehicles, gasoline station, building materials, food services, and, and drinking places, jumped seven-tenths of a percent. These are things that we, we more so need. Okay, so economic data is what it is there. The 10-year Treasury is interesting because remember, probably about 10 days ago, 8 days ago, it was down to 1.96. Now it's back up to 2.13%. That's telling you that the Fed Reserve, the bets are for one rate cut, and that's it. And then let's see where the economic data takes us. And if it keeps coming out like it is, then that's probably all they need to do. What else? So the low rates versus the earnings. Remember the game Rock, Scissors, Paper? Me neither. No, remember the game Rock, Scissors, Paper? Interest rates seem to be trumping earnings. Huh. Taking a look at some of the other top stories out there today. Retailers should thank Amazon. Adobe estimates the size of the Prime Day bump for everyone. We've turned a non-holiday into a holiday. With that being said, it used to be more of a back-to-school shopping season, but now it's a dedicated 
two-day bonanza. Target, Walmart, eBay, Macy's, Best Buy all have offering deals this week to compete with Amazon. The first day of Amazon's 48-hour shopping extravaganza this year, retailers made more than a billion in annual revenues, saw a 64% increase in their digital sales compared with the average Monday. Adobe said Amazon's Prime Day is now the third period outside of the holiday season, during which online sales in the U.S. will top $2 billion. Other big shopping days other than Black Friday and Christmas are Labor Day and Memorial Day, and now Amazon Prime Day. Interesting, right? Walmart, Target, eBay, Macy's, Best Buys all have been touting deals this week to try to compete and get some Dobre Me coming into their door. More than 250 retailers nationwide are expected to have sales going on to try to compete or take advantage of all the web traffic that's out there. That's pretty interesting to me. I don't know about to you, but to me, it works that Adobe's correctly saying everyone should stop and say thank you to Amazon for creating such a fake holiday. So Chipotle had a food crisis problem a few years back. Some of their food was being tainted in the fields with diseases that were not so popular with human beings. They tried to do quesadillas, hot-pressed nachos with queso, guacamole-laden tostados, trying to diversify their menu. None of it really clicked, but the stock is sitting at an all-time high. The food quality issues dragged the stock to a low of 251, but now it's hit 760 again. The resuscitated brand now appears strong enough to sustain price increases and doesn't necessarily have to continue to try to menu or innovate in aggressive ways. Chipotle is always kind of an interesting place to me because the person behind the counter always gives me more rice than the person in front of me. I'm always stoked about that. I don't know why. Uh, yeah. I think that's all I need to say about Chipotle. Nachos would have been the natural home run for them, but they didn't really they didn't really need it. They just needed time to heal their image and get together a digital footprint, get together easier delivery, get together sidewalk delivery. 800-516-1220 to get your cars on the air. Netflix has a password sharing problem. I know people who do this, and it's interesting because they've never really seemed to care. I think as long as the stock does well, they're kind of like, oh, let's just write this one off. So a poll reflects that 11,135 people were asked about their viewing habits. 14% of Netflix viewers report they're using a password from someone outside their household. That's a lot of people. 14%, that's a much higher rate than 11% of Hulu viewers and 6% of Amazon Prime video. Password sharing is an issue for Netflix or maybe an opportunity if the company ever gets aggressive or on enforcement. Current policy says your account may not be shared with individuals beyond your household, um, but The conclusion from the report basically says something along the lines of there's disinterest in the service and people are only using it passively. Otherwise, they pay for it. They pay for Orange is the New Black, Stranger Things, Ozark, Grease, and Frankie. You get the idea. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Don't be shy. New Focus Financial just launched a new website page. Go check it out. You can check it out at newfocusfinancial.com. My webpage is a little old and stale, but there's good downloadables at newfocusfinancial.com. I'm Rob Black. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW and streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. You can buy Domino's Pizza. As a stock, is it a play on the nationalization, the rural out of legalized marijuana? Is it a play on cheap food, kind of a alternative investment to McDonald's? Kind of is. Is it a play on the millennials and not having a ton of money, trying to stretch their dollars, but also eating pizza while they play video games? 
Maybe a little. Company fell 7% in the pre-market today, but recovered some of the losses when things opened up. So there's some bad news there. So people were selling on the news. It's the number one worldwide pizza chain. Large pepperoni pizza costs about a buck fifty to make, and they sell them for 10 bucks, 11 bucks, 12 bucks. Domino's has been carrying out a strategy called fortressing. Stores are adding to the existing markets to be closer to customers, making deliveries faster and theoretically increasing driver tips. So, But the expansion strategy is coming into question of, is it overpopulating it's interesting you got papa john's and pizza hut but also you have something like uber eats doordash grubhub also willing to bring you other people's food so the convenience of the pizza chain not so much what it used to be i'm rob black talking all things financial i see a little man a financial planner hiding in the in the corners of kdow is it could it be cfp chad burton no Certified financial planner, Chad Burton. Let's welcome in CFP Chad Burton. CFP Chad Burton with New Focus Financial. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. Chad, one of the big issues in retirement is knowing your sources of income. We all know Social Security is going to be there, but what other sources of income might we have? Well, it's going to come from, you're going to have a balanced portfolio, hopefully, so you have stocks and bonds in that, in terms of funds and ETFs. Bonds pay interest, stocks pay dividends. If you're going to be buying individual stocks in retirement, I'm a fan of stocks that have a history of increasing their dividend. Because when the market's bad, if you have three out of 10 years that are negative and your stock portfolio is down, you can still have income that's up. Right. So that's very important. But you still want going into retirement, you want you know 20 to 40% of your income, uh-huh. especially if you think you're going to live a long time and you have longevity in your family. Sure. You want you know 20 to 40% minimum in guaranteed lifetime income. And okay. like, like replacing what pensions used to be there for. For your parents, they used to have pensions. Right. We and don't. We don't. But you can do your own personal pensions. And even if you have... A, so you basically you are turning your portfolio that you've created from age 20 to 60 into a pension. Yeah. You kind of start thinking, I have to annuitize this. It has to last till the day I die. Yeah. So, you know, I use a strategy where I have three years worth of expenses, a balanced portfolio, a stock portfolio. But I also use, um, in, off, in many cases... Right now, bonds are a very tough thing to invest in because their prices are at an all-time high, yields are at an all-time low. I'm not seeing inflation, so I'm not scared of bonds right now, okay. but eventually we'll have to switch. So if you're trying to say, what's a bond alternative where I can still get 5% or more over my lifetime out of my bond portfolio, there are certain no-load insurance products that can give you that type of, a, of, of an income where you can invest in a balanced portfolio and the insurance company will guarantee you know, five to seven percent income for the rest of your life. These products used to be awful because they used to be in annuities that had back end surrender charges, you know, three and a half percent fees inside of them. Now there's no load versions of it. Right. And there's also standalone insurance products now that will insure a portfolio for lifetime income, which is okay on a bond alternative. And and so you can you have an overall strategy and then you might have some bond alternatives in your portfolio that have guaranteed lifetime so that with your Social Security and some of those alternative uh, income investments, you have a portion that if you live till 100 and the market doesn't do well, you still have income. And that's important. As a certified financial planner, how often do people come into your office without enough retirement thinking they had enough retirement? I would say probably 50% of the time. And the reason why is because they're not thinking about health insurance costs. They're not thinking about long-term care. They're not realizing that, you know, inflation. Yeah. I mean, every about 18 years, you're, you're, you know, dollars cut in half with inflation. 
And is that the you know how there's the seven the rule of seventy two? Yeah, money doubles every seven years, something right. like that. So you divide seventy two by the expected rate of return. Yeah, and that's how long it takes to double. It's the same thing if inflation is so running up at three percent, then yeah. it's going to take eighteen to twenty years for the for the opposite of that to happen for the dollar to cut in half. So you you have to increase. Um, you know, you you have to have a very detailed income statement that shows your long term projection. With average expenses growing at least three percent, but your healthcare costs growing at five to six percent a year. Anything that we need to know on a final thought? Well, again, when you're when you're looking at some of the products that are out there, be aware of who's showing you the products. If they're insurance people that get paid a commission, or if they're working at a big firm or a bank that get paid a commission, the product might sound good, but you can get no load versions of that product with much much lower fees. So make sure you're working with a fiduciary that has your best interest in mind rather than somebody that's working on a commission has to get paid by selling you something. I've been talking with CFP Chad Burton. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. Any question is a good question, especially when it comes to money. My goal is to get you to retirement. My goal is not to say, ah, do everything for you. Let's try to teach you how to fish a little bit had a listener refer to me the other day and he goes, Hey, what was that annuity that Chad talked about? I'm like, I don't know. I don't listen to Chad all the time. Don't listen to me. Um, I like Chad. He's a, a brilliant CFP, but the listener was kind of wrongly assuming that I should dig up research for him. And I'm like, that's not the point of the show. <laughs> so sorry. Um, but some people feel entitled. So throw that out there. Right. 800-516-1220. calls on there. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, invested in more. Nancy Pelosi's husband bought up Salesforce stock options. Nancy Pelosi's an interesting bird to me. She's a senior member, and she's been kind of slapping around the junior members of Congress and saying, you know, don't blow this. Don't play right in his hands. That's as far as best I can tell. That's as politically savvy as I get. Um I'm not a big fan of politicians in general. I see them way too often exploit the system, taking like 15 members of their family to Italy to study their heritage. I don't like that. I, I think study your own heritage on your own dime, so to speak. But Paul Pelosi, Nancy's husband, a businessman investor, he paid somewhere between $150,000, $350,000 in June for a total of 100 Salesforce call options. It's kind of interesting because you have Congress sitting there going, you know, Google's bad, okay, and... Facebook's bad, okay? So him buying options, which are very short-term contracts, kind of brings up this perceived, does he know that Congress is going after and is not going to go after Salesforce? Or is he just acting on his own? I, in the end, I'm not trying to you know spook up a fight that doesn't exist. I'm just saying, I think there's some interesting things that go on, and some of it's we take for granted, and some of them we shouldn't. Harley Davidson's launched an electric motorcycle with a 146-mile range that goes from 0 to 60 miles an hour in about three seconds. Bike sounds nothing like a, a traditional hog, but you know it still had a lot of fun throttling you know, through the gears and getting up to speed. It's, it's an interesting play. Will that save Harley Davidson, an electric bike that doesn't roar? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Want the podcast with music? 
Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. We're having an interesting year, to say the least. We're seeing Democrats call the President of the United States a racist. We're seeing people kind of get jaded with the whole political system. Two extreme left Democrats are in the top three in the polls going to the presidential race next year. You've got the big tech companies all in the crosshairs of both Democrats and Republicans. So the the Facebooks, the Googles in particular, seem to be getting a lot of scrutiny. And yet, stocks are at an all-time high or close to an all-time high. Let's talk with the one, the only, briefing.com about what we're seeing. Mr. O'Hare, how are you, sir? Hey, Rob, I'm doing okay. It's good to be back with you. One of the things that made me scratch my head this morning was I heard Amazon's up 34% this year. And I go, even with all the backdrop that we have, even though it's had like, it feels like it's hitting a 20-year high every year for the last 20 years, um, are we having another special kind of year? Or it dawned on me, maybe it's just the big boys who are drawing all the interest. And we're seeing the J.P. Gettys and the J.P. Morgans. And the, we're seeing the formulation of, of the you know future monopolies that will be broken up in 10, 15, 20 years. And uh, we're just seeing it as it's happening in real time. Is it the big boys getting bigger, or is it a diversified market? No, it's a it's a fairly diversified market. Um, but obviously, okay. when you see you know the mega cap issues like the Amazons and the Microsofts and uh, you know the Facebooks and the like um, do very well and even outperform the market, it's going to make you know it doesn't make a, a huge difference literally and, and figuratively. But you know you can go. Uh, you know, up and down the leaderboard, though, and I mean, you've got double-digit uh, percentage gains uh, for every sector, with the exception of the healthcare sector right now. And these aren't, you know, small. I mean, you're talking 16, 18 percent, 20 percent gains for sectors that don't include uh, Amazon.com or, um, you know, or uh, or Google. Uh, so it, it, it's fairly uh, it's fairly diverse, and it's kind of been uh, you know a market where all boats have risen with the tide, and certainly the tide of sentiment as it surrounds what the the Federal Reserve is doing with its uh, monetary policy outlook. So. I've heard because the retail sales that came out today, Mr. O'Hare, were strong, or I'm not going to say strong, were solid. Mm-hmm. And that could be enough to put the Fed, they'll cut interest rates in July because they've kind of promised it to us, but maybe they stop and hesitate going forward that the economic data is just too good to be in an interest rate push to zero kind of market. Uh, is that what you're seeing as well? Yeah, well, you know, there's certainly in that retail sales report, it was a very solid report. Um, you had broad-based gains there as well, only a few pockets of weakness, like in the department store group, which everybody knows has been uh, been weak for some time, uh, and also in the electronics and appliance uh, retailer area. But that was a decline, I believe, off of a, a prior month in which there was a gain. But, you know, overall, when you look at core retail sales, which kind of excludes some of these special categories like gas and motor vehicles and gasoline um, uh, building material sales, as well as food and service drinking places, that was up 0.7%, which is a really strong indication. And that's a, a component that's going to factor into the uh, into the goods component of the personal consumption expenditures reading that factors into the 
second quarter GDP report. So, uh, so the key takeaway there is that the consumer uh, has you know remained fairly strong here, and uh, and that's a good portent for for future spending. So, um, you know, but uh, to get directly to the question, you know, I think a report like the retail sales report that we saw today does. Uh, diminish the prospects certainly of a 50 basis point rate cut in July, and and may even actually uh, force the market to start uh, recalibrating for fewer rate hikes uh, over the course of the remainder of the year. Certainly, if, you know if you get data that remains as strong as that, um, you know you're going to see the uh, the uh, rate cut expectations start to get priced out uh, uh, over the course of the remainder of this year. I'm personally a little bit stunned because I was going to do a refi on a house that I bought 18 months ago, and then I, it, it, my opportunity passed. There was a lot of fear and panic in the market. It pushed the 10-year Treasury down, I think, 1.96. Now we're back at the 2.1, and it seemed to happen fast. Um, is that typical that you know we were over-worried, and now we're kind of like not overly optimistic, but we've swung back to rational or something like that? It seemed like it was a pretty... Pretty aggressive move. Yeah, well, it sure was. Now, you know, the the, the uh, bump in rates we've seen here in the Treasury market have also has also coincided with what uh, what's been going on in the European sovereign debt as well. You know, so in particular, you've seen the German, you know, boon really back up uh, as well. And this interest rate differential trade has been a a, a, a con- a principal component uh, of why the uh, yields in the treasury market have come down so sharply, but um, but at the same time there was certainly that uh, concern about economic slowdown uh, uh, falling uh, into the in uh, excuse me driving you know market rates you know considerably lower and and when you get uh, you know reports like the retail sales report and even last week's CPI and PPI reports that kind of uh, Took away a little bit of the disinflationary concern. Um, you know, you should see kind of an upward adjustment in rates from from what was clearly you know a, a, an overbought market. And uh, the question now is, though, is do you continue to keep getting this strong data? Because if you do, you will continue to see a fairly quick, I think, uh, you know, correction in the treasury market that will push up rates. And uh, and then the stock market has something to consider there uh, uh, for itself because. Uh, you know, these low rates have been the foundation upon which this multiple expansion has been based. Uh, it's also been the foundation upon which, you know, the market is expecting there to be a, a bridge to a, a, you know, better second half of the year where both earnings and economic growth accelerates on the back of those low interest rates. So, um, I guess, you know, I could say that's a bridge we'll have to cross when we get to it, but, you know, interest rates are certainly a, a key consideration here as it relates to the continuation of the bull market and, uh, and what goes on in the Treasury market. Do you have a concern that the financial stocks, and by the way, I'm speaking with Patrick O'Hare from Briefing.com, one of the smartest guys I know on the markets, and he could talk to you in a way that doesn't freak you out, and a great website that can talk to you in a way that doesn't freak you out, Briefing.com. Do you have any thoughts on why the financials, the banks, um, they're just not, they don't seem to be as sexy as they should be with the low interest rate environment, with a healthy economy, with a strong jobs market. I'm not, they're market performers, maybe at best in my book, unless I'm reading it wrong. They're not leading per se, and I kind of want to see them lead because that would make more sense to me. Right. And, you know, if, if the Fed is ultimately successful in getting the yield curve to steepen, I think you will start to see, you know, the financials uh, sh- uh, flex some muscle. Um, but they've been sort of in the, um, 
penalty box, uh, given the concerns about net interest margin compression that's been the you know, the offshoot of a flattening yield curve and certainly an inverted yield curve over certain portions of the curve. And so, uh, you know, and there's been just kind of like this, uh, you know, perception discount, really, that, you know, that's, uh, uh, you know, that these financial stocks have really underperformed the market, you know, for such an extensive period of time um, that there's not a lot of interest in, in owning them. But, you know, there's there's some, uh, I think they're starting to, you know, to come into form here in a way that, uh, to, you know, that, that there is some value in that space. Um, and they certainly have some, you know, improving capital return programs that are, you know, affording investors with a longer-term mindset, you know, decent dividend yields, uh, and uh, and they continue to, you know, put up some pretty good earnings overall in the grand scheme of things. But uh, but they just kind of have a, uh, you know, a, a perception discount right now, uh, and they can't get out of the way of what has been, um, you know, a flattening yield curve. So if we can see that steepen and, and be sustained, uh, you could see a real um, you know, rotation, uh, you know, value-based rotation into that sector, and they could start to exhibit some outperformance. Sounds good. Is there anything else that you're working on? We've got about two minutes. I've hogged all the questions so far. Anything you want to shine some light on, per se, Mr. O'Hare? Right. Well, there's, we're going to be shining a lot of light on, on earnings uh, results here in the in the coming weeks. Um, in the big picture column I posted last Friday was a, uh, a preview of the second quarter reporting period. And, and uh, you know, the, the, the gist of that, that column was essentially that, you know, you're not likely to get great earnings results overall in the second quarter. You know, you're going to get better than expected results. It happens every quarter. You know, uh, facts that est- estimates project a 3% decline year over year in operating earnings for the S&P 500. It's probably going to be end up being closer to flat or even slightly positive by the time this is all said and done. But, uh, but really, this guidance is going to be really key because there is so much resting in the market's perspective uh, on the second half outlook and both economic and earnings growth accelerating in that period. So we'll be paying close attention to that. Thanks very much. It's Mr. Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. An unbiased, awesome source of information for both domestic and international markets. There's so much content at the website that I draw upon for research as far as insights and much, much more. You, too, can use it at briefing.com. That's briefing.com. And Mr. O'Hare joins us every Tuesday. And he always does a really bang-up kind of awesome job. Super, super glad he's with us still. 800-516-1220. In fact, I'll even go a step further and tell you. I stopped using other guests because I found that they didn't bring their A-game. And a lot of times they were all about self-promotion and I didn't want to give you bad content. I've said no to probably 98% of the pitches that I get to come on the air um, to the point that I stopped taking pitches. So because it's a waste of my time and it's a waste of their time. Anyhow, I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing and more. Facebook's got to go to um, Capital today to testify about the Calibra and uh, whether or not it's going to be used for bad deeds or whether or not it's going to be used for good deeds. So more on that as the day unfolds, I'm sure. It's a big initiative for Facebook. It could be a new multi-billion dollar business easily overnight. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Boeing's 737 MAX grounding is starting to hit a little bit wider now. 
Southwest is putting off some pilot hiring as the Boeing 737 MAX stays grounded. The pilots have been grounded since mid-March after two fatal crashes that caused Boeing to, I guess you could say, jump on their sword, but also to say that uh, rethink how their software works. And what could have been a quick fix isn't. So it's looking like 2020 before the plane gets back in the air. Maybe not, but that's what the airplane companies are starting to figure. The airlines hasn't made the decision because it is unclear when the planes will fly again. So they're basically uh, grounding them and delaying hiring. And a lot of pilots are considering suing Boeing because of this. They go out and get training. They go out and get you know jobs, and they're told, well, you can't work because planes aren't safe enough. Jamie Down, speak English, Rob. Jamie Diamond is downplaying Facebook's crypto experiment. And he says, even though... One of the security chiefs from Facebook's in Congress today testifying about it. Jamie Dimon says, we're going to be talking about Libra three years from now. I wouldn't spend too much time on it. Any new efforts will have to conform to the industry's rigorous anti-money laundering rules. Dimon says, the banks have to use guidelines to stop money laundering and terrorists from using the system. Same with cryptocurrencies. When asked specifically about Facebook's Libra cryptocurrency project, which has been lambasted by President Trump and his administration, the J.P. Morgan Chase CEO, replied he didn't see it as a near-term threat. To put it in perspective, we've been talking about blockchain for seven years and very little has happened. We're going to be talking about Libra three years from now. I wouldn't spend too much time on it. Diamond is making his own bet on digital coin that could transform the global payments landscape called JPM Coin. His effort in February uh, caught some attention, but not a lot. And he wants to keep the cryptocurrencies within the regulated confines of the world's U.S. The world's the U.S.'s biggest bank. So, Jamie Dimon throwing in his two cents. Um, it is interesting to see how Facebook is trying to position themselves. Nestle is selling chocolate made without added sugar. Oh, boy, that sounds delicious. For chocolate lovers around the world. Hello, chocolate, I love you. Mm-hmm. Remember Pepe Le Pew and how he kissed the cat that got a skunk stripe painted on it by accident? I don't think you can make cartoons like that anymore. A new invention in the world of chocolate by Nestle cuts out added sugar so that customers can enjoy its 70% dark chocolate with less guilt. Nestle, N-E-S-T-L-E. Nestle makes the very best chocolate. Um, and Nestle's a Swiss multinational company. It's got a cacao fruit chocolate. It's going to be made wholly from cacao fruit with white cacao pulp as a natural sweetener. The cacao pulp, which was once partially used and disregarded, discarded, not used. It's now being used to create a more sustainable health-conscious option for consumers. Look for the new chocolate if you're in Japan this fall, if you're in the United States, 2020. It's interesting, right? I think we could probably make a case that sugar is the devil. Now you got to be very careful, because legally you can't say sugar is the devil, because sugar is going to sue you. you got to say sugar is like the devil, but you can't say sugar is the devil, because you can't prove it. Interesting how that works, right? Yes. Homebuilder sentiment ticks up slightly as housing shortage intensifies. Tesla's in the news for horrible working conditions. But the homebuilder sentiment ticked up. Sentiment's well below the July 2018 reading. Anything above 50 is considered positive. And, uh... Lower mortgage rates should be helping with affordability, but apparently not enough. The average rate on the 30-year fixed mortgage fell sharply at the end of May, continued lower in June. It's ticked a little higher in July. But builders 
are saying there's strong demand for single-family homes. I get it. Back to Tesla. This is a company that, to me, I, I can't invest in. And I'm okay with that. I, I, I'd rather leave stuff on the table than try too hard. Tesla reported a record 72,531 Model 3 electric stands in the second quarter of 2019. A lot of these stands were built in a tent outside of the Tesla factory because they don't have space. It's not fully automated, and to hit their goals, you know, there's fewer testis done on their vehicles. There's water leaks. There was electric tape used on plastic housings to make quick fixes. So your car may be taped together. <laughs> oh, no. The air quality was awful. The harsh weather was tough. We had a lot of rain in the quarter. So employees are not happy, and they're going to the media with their stories. And that's, if you're Elon Musk, you got to be going through the roof. You want to make a beautiful car. You want to make a different car. You want to make a car that changes the world. But in the end, you still have to manufacture it which I've been saying for years, whether you like it or not, I'm not going to say I'm right, because that's just not my style. But uh, like it or not, Tesla's a manufacturing company. They don't have robots making everything yet. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Money invested in more. So there's a new home being built next to you, right? Home builders are building. What's the credit score that you need to get to get that home? You need a score of at least 650, and 75% of people who get mortgages on a new home have 700 or better scores. The median score is 759, and only 10% of mortgage borrowers had credit scores under 647. I highly recommend you check out your credit score. There's a good app called Credit Karma, or you can go and get your annual credit report from annualcreditreport.com. I'm Rob Black. New Focus Financial has got a new website with new downloadables. You can check it out at newfocusfinancial.com. I'm Rob Black. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.